You're listening to And hey, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 71 for Thursday, September the 2nd, 2021. Stop. Weird. It's so close to 2020. <laughs> I'm still processing 2020. How is it almost 2022? Time time moves forward, whether we want it to or not. I, I want to go to the Dragon Ball Z hyperbolic time chamber, please. <laughs> I would like to go there. That would be great. So I can do, so I can procrastinate all I want and still get my stuff done on time. That would yeah. be the dream. Yeah. My, my landlord just raised my rent again. And I was just like, no, oh, you know, there's a pandemic going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> fucking landlords. <laughs> my name is Marvin. Yue, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through these, um, I guess not so great days. Um, <laughs> We have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Chu. Hey Hello. Jess, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank How you. How was your vacation in um paradise? Jamaica. I mean, you were kind of almost in the path of a storm, so Yes, but very you know, you can't you can't complain when like that became Hurricane Ida and it did not hit where you were. So we were delayed a little bit. That's fun. I ain't gonna bitch fit. Um it was very nice to sit around and do nothing. I realized that my the sun is my greatest enemy, um, yet I depend on it for so much of life. So, you know, there lies the tension to our relationship. But, uh, yeah, not also learned I'm not a strong swimmer, but that's fine. I've accepted that as a weakness. It was all in all pretty, pretty lovely. Did you try to swim in the ocean? That is like... I did, and I went fear. in literally for like 10 seconds. I'm like, no. I respect Poseidon too much to disrespect him and underestimate his power. I will get out and go to the pool. Uh, well, welcome back. You're not back Thank in you. LA with us. You are now at your your partner's place in Florida. Yes, he has, which is like the literally none of our schedules align because I'm still working on West Coast time. He is, you know, on East Coast time. He has a chiller like work schedule this month which is why i came over and like i don't even see him but you know it's fine i'm here where I'm, I'm being supportive i'm being supportive i mean technically you're giving you're getting a little preview of what it's like to have a uh batshit crazy governor because we might get one in a few uh, weeks shut your mouth <laughs> no don't speak that into existence um and honestly we could have a crazy ass governor and i still don't think he'd be as evil as desantis <sighs> Like, honestly, like, I'm not a religious person, but I hope hell is real so DeSantis can burn in it. Uh, I will go on record and say that. And yeah, it's like, I don't even like kids, but man, DeSantis <laughs> really is like, fuck them kids. Well, good luck out there. Looking forward to having you back in. Um, yeah, in I will say, Coast. I will say. So so also the reason why I'm here is because my partner, it was his birthday. And I've just come to realize that. I think like relationships with people over a certain age, it just becomes a seesaw of one of you deep sighing. <laughs> like you, you just alternate deep sighing. So like I deep sigh. He's like, oh, what's wrong? I was like, you know. And then I hear him like deep sigh five minutes later. He's like, what's wrong? It's like, oh, you know. I'm like, yeah. It's like, this, this is it, huh? This is the rest <laughs> of, of, our, of our lives. Okay, that's totally fine. You know, some might just call that domestic bliss. I it mean, is. as long as not deep sighing at him, you know, like <laughs> or I'm about I'm him. deep sighing w with, you know, about different things. And it, it's nice to like have someone who understands. But yeah, although just I feel like seesawing deep sighs. <laughs> although I feel like you're you're a little too young to be having your first um, let's do nothing vacation. I mean, we'll talk about. I think this will come up a lot um, in our topic today. We're talking about the chair. And even though I do not work in academia, I think there's a lot to relate as someone who works in a field where there are no quantifiable measures of success <laughs> or, or very like subjective measures of success. Right. Um, and we can talk more about that and, and, how, and, and, and professions where there's not an obvious right answer all the time. That is in which and, and professions where you have to just deal with like racism all the time. Mm -hmm. Like definitely felt that. So we could talk about that today. Yeah. Also joining us, the most professional culture editor, Han Wen. How's it going? Hi. Hi. I am still in LA. 
Does hope um <laughs> does Critics Week continue? Yes, but it is starting to wind down. I only had one day of uh press tour this week, which was was it today? Is today Tuesday? Yes. Oh my god, it feels so long ago. Um and it was for Paramount Plus. So next week we get two days of press tour and then I think there's another week after that. And then we're done. Remind me what Paramount Plus is. Is that yet another streaming service that I it, have to keep my eye on? So do you know CBS All Access? Yes. So basically it's it's it that's what it grew up to be is Paramount Plus because it's it has all the CBS All Access's stuff. Um, but then also other things from Viacom. Um Anything that had like a, a mountain, you know, in its production company. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I so, feel like Paramount yeah. Plus just sounds derivative of Disney Plus. Why didn't they just keep all access? I I agree. I think all of these people adding pluses, it's ridiculous because we still have to end up spelling it out when we put it in our tags. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's great for a shorthand if it if, you know, you're writing it out. But yeah, it it doesn't actually work that way also i agree i think the all the pluses apple tv uh plus came out after uh came out with its name after disney plus and i'm just like just stop it um i really want there to be a streaming service called minus plus um you know if they really want to one-up disney they gotta go paramount plus plus right yeah yeah this would be an asian um, <laughs> um, you know that service. like people don't even know like what the greater than symbol is, right? Like we yeah. can't math harder than an addition sign, guys. Right. We just can't. That's why you have to double it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it, it, it's 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 a streaming surface I actually do like, but I understand also that you know CBS All Access was in some ways um, sort of understandable for people because it had the word cbs in it and so there was a certain amount of people who subscribed to that and i think they automatically got moved over to paramount plus like i did mm. but as far as attracting new subscribers it's hard because it's also paramount network stuff and yeah. those are the all yellowstone I, people you know all i know is that's that's what where the star trek is yeah so this is now where the star treks are um mm. we got so many star treks this is star treks out the wazoo um they should have just called the service star treks this is where the star treks is enterprise yeah. plus actually no that is the membership um <laughs> program of enterprise rented cars so yeah i was like that. isn't there an enterprise car <laughs> service uh, and yes they they play only paramount plus there in the cars um, but yeah, so it, you know, I do like it, but I also, I, I agree. Like if you had to ask me what it was, then definitely the general consumer is kind of confused about what's going on. They still don't know what Peacock is, you know, even with the Olympics happening. So I think that there's like, there's only a certain amount of streaming brain space that people had, you know, they added on HBO Max, um, to Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Um, that's probably their limit. They may, they like the few people who, who are in the know made fun of quibi um but yeah most people don't know what this I mean, shit is i feel like a lot of them are now packaging together too right well yeah that's why i think it's actually a really good streaming service because uh cbs all access was actually pretty good for in the first place besides getting all the cbs and even the older ones which were a lot better like for a while there that's where you could find wings which yeah. okay you know i i like now you can find wings in a few places but uh yeah you know, it, it, it has some good stuff you know, I think I need to go and do inventory on what services I'm actually subscribed to mm -hmm. because I'm sure there are a couple I have not used in at least a year or two. Yeah. Oh, my my Apple Plus, my free Apple Plus t or Apple TV just expired. I never logged into it once. Oh, <laughs> but it has some good shows. Did you not watch know, Dickinson? Not, no, no. You didn't watch I, Ted Lasso? All I do is comfort watch the same three shows now, guys, because that's all I can handle at <laughs> yeah. this point. Well, like Jess mentioned, this week we're talking all about The Chair, which is the new Netflix original series, a comedy drama. Starring Sandra Oh about the, the perils of working in academia. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning through this week. Um, Jess, what's popping over there in Florida? So I did nothing productive or smart on my little vacation. All I did was read the newest horny book in the Lisa Cupis MCU universe, um, which is called Devil in Disguise. 
it follows the, you know, I don't know if you know this, Marvin, but like in these romance <laughs> novels, like these series, they all know each other, right? They're all like kind of distantly related. So this follows the daughter of one of the um, wallflowers. wallflowers, which is the original four books that I really enjoyed. And so this is like book six in that series. Wait, so and- they're already like the next generation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's their kids. And then, you know, we got a Scotsman. We have a widow. Uh, There's some parental intrigue, um, which, you know, I saw coming from a mile away because obviously a hero cannot just be a hot man. He also has to be like a duke of some sort, whether he knows it or not, and in line to inherit something, whether he knows it or not. So it has all those elements but I have to say, I don't think this is my favorite Lisa Cupid. I think nope. she's written better. The last one was better. Chasing Cassandra was so yes, much better. Yes. But I mean, even a not the best Lisa Cupid is eons better than most of the yeah. other books in this genre. She is a very good writer and she does put a lot of really cool research and authentic, like authenticity of information in her books about the, the world, the Victorian world. But yeah, I, I I think there's just not enough angst in the love. Like there were not enough barriers yep. to their love. The two characters are just like way too into each other from the get go. And yeah. we like a slow burn. Yeah, I, I, I like a, this is why I like enemies lover because I like a little bit of like, you know, friction before. Yes. So you're saying I it's too love easy. Enemies. Yeah, yeah. Their their love for each other was too easy. And Instantaneous. You, do want, you want a little bit of miscommunication. You want a little bit of like. Uh, a little hurt feelings, right? And then, <laughs> and then that makes like the final when they finally like get together, all the more satisfying. And this is this was not an enemies to lovers, which no. is you know enemies to lovers is also my favorite trope. So yeah, um, yeah. So and then and then it doesn't get a little too. I think there is a little too much convenience when you you know there's a, like there's a certain parent like a parental like mystery that like is a little too convenient. Yes, uh, <laughs> it was it, for even for this universe where everyone knows each other. It was a little yeah. too convenient, and yeah. but I have to say, you know, it did explain the title again because if you pay attention to all the devils in the titles, they all you know point to something. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I, I think she's just written better, but you know, still better than any yeah, of the Bridgerton books. Totally, <laughs> yes, it was totally, totally fine and had humorous moments. Uh, yeah. It's still a good read. <laughs> All right. Uh, Han, what's popping with you? Uh, after jumping in on Jess's uh, what's popping? No, no, cause... that's fine. We, we, there's yeah. a, it's a, it's horny books are for all. <laughs> yeah, I are, I read it too. Well, mine is a new series on Hulu. You can start watching it now. The first three episodes are out called Only Murders in the Building. Um, it is a 10 episode comedy about three people who live in the same building played by well, the building isn't played by the, these three people are played by <laughs> Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Odd. That's uh, an interesting of, combination. Yes. Uh, but it works. They are all residents of a classy New York apartment building called the Oconia. You know, one of those places that have amazing like architecture and there's no way that this young girl it, it lives there somehow. Um, but there's reasons. Um Anyway, they none of them like each other. They avoid each other. If they share the same elevator, like they put on the headphones, they don't listen, like look at each other. Um, except for when all of a sudden they have to uh, evacuate their apartments for some reason. So they're all in the lobby and they realize, oh, we all like the same true crime podcast because they were all waiting for it to drop and listen to it at the same time. So uh, they start talking about the case that they're listening to and it's all good and fun. But here's where the twist comes in. Um, Someone ends up dying in the building. Um, although it's the cops write it off as a suicide, they know a little bit better. They're like, actually, it's a homicide. And actually, we're going to like investigate. And actually, we're going to write, do a podcast about this, why we are simultaneously investigating. Wow. Which, which is, uh, that just puts our podcasting skills to shame. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so it's it's definitely very funny. One of the things I really, really, really like about it is that um, past shows that have tried to mix old people and young people are tend to be really insulting to the young people 
because they're written by old people. Um, <laughs> and this one, I think, does it very well where they definitely point out the differences, but they make fun of each other sort of simultaneously. Well, actually, the old people, they make fun of the old people more. And Steve Martin is one of the writers on it. So one of the, an example would be like Steve Martin and, and, and Martin Short are talking about like, oh, well, we need to tell Mabel, that's Selena Gomez's character, like about this. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll call her. And he's like, no, they don't like that. <laughs> you, know, like, you, you know, just call up young people. And they're like, I'll send her a text. And, and so he agonizes about how he will greet her in the text. <laughs> And then, so he settles on a greeting and then he signs the text with its full name. And so it's, and it's really cute because she just says, by the way, you don't need to sign your text. I know who, who this is. So there are just really good ways that basically they respect her. And she definitely like pokes fun at them a few times, like playing off that they think she's ignorant because she is young. Um, I think it's really good. And there are a few twists and turns, of course, and it's ridiculous. Um, we got the first eight episodes, so that means I don't know the true ending yet as a critic. So, uh, but yeah, you only have three right now to watch, but it will be releasing weekly on Tuesdays. Um, and oh, the thing I almost forgot to mention, the significant Asian in this, he ends up dead. But oh no! <laughs> spoiler alert! Why but are we always the dead body? In this? But the, but the spoiler alert is in. I mean, the spoiler is in the trailer. So uh, Julian Stehe plays Tim Kono. He is the victim, um, but he is actually significant in more ways than just being the victim. Um, so we actually see him a bunch in flashbacks, um, and uh, there's even a moment where his ambiguous ancestry, because uh, in real life he is biracial, and so. Uh, Martin Short's character, he's the producer mainly. So he tries to write a script where he talks about the victim. And he's like, and this this Japanese, Korean, Chinese, whatever. And so they're and, and then Steve Martin's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, I just, you know, I just want to get our Asian, you know, audience to like, you know, hit all of them. And uh, so I was just like, okay, you know, it's it it does it in such a way where you're not ignoring the realities of the situation. And so I like that part. Um, but that that's probably the most Asian thing we get in the whole movie, you know, uh, movie series. I mean, is the Selena else? Gomez part? No. No. I looked it up oh. <laughs> because I also oh. was, I was thinking, thinking about no, Olivia like, Rodrigo. Oh. Yes. Mar Marvin, you're getting your Disney tweens mixed yes. up. <laughs> Sir. But I, I still looked it up just to make sure because you never know what the last name Gomez. Um, she is Mexican and Italian. You oh, don't okay. think we would have fucking claimed Selena Gomez had she been even a little did. bit Asian? No, no, no. Selena Gomez is huge. She's like top 10 number of like Instagram followers. <laughs> like she has like double digit millions. And part of me is just like, why? But that's how you know I'm old because I miss uh, after my time, after my Disney Channel time. Yeah. She's I, like, they're, they're Hillary Duff. I do love that um, podcasts have now made it into Mainstream. other mediums. Um, I'm curious to see. Like, I, I love that they make fun of the true crime craze. Um, yes, there's more. Um, there is a character uh who basically plays like uh the serial creator, but she's not. She it's it's their version. It's called <laughs> Cinda Canning. Um, and uh, and and so Yuck. there's yeah because um Rutherford Falls also did Rutherford, the same thing. There's an NPR right? journalist. Yes. I, I love it. Anytime they make fun of podcasters or npr journalists or anything in that vein i'm like the, the my, new, my people the new dexter is gonna yeah. have a uh oh, i think it's olivia munn playing that right no 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 no, no jamie chung jamie, jamie chung. chung even that's better. awesome <laughs> so yes jamie chung is gonna play the uh true crime podcaster who comes to that town to investigate Man. when it gets to the point where it's like a cliche um we've made it Guys. Do you feel offended, Marvin, or do you feel represented? <laughs> well, I'm not a true crime podcaster, so I, I wouldn't know that. That those you, you have to those shows take up kind. too much too much research, plus too much prying into people's personal business that more than I'm comfortable with. You're not an investigated reporter. <laughs> I am not. Yes, um, but anyway, I highly recommend it. It's fun. Um, okay, Marvin, what's popping with you? Um, so I started playing a new game on my Switch. Um, it's called Fuga. Melodies of Steel. It's a turn-based um, Japanese RPG um, by CyberConnect2, um, part of their Little Tail Bronx series, which is a series of games that takes place in the fantasy world where like, there are like dog and cat people. So this one takes place in a fictional, um, their, their fictional version of World War II in not France, 
Um, the small, like, not French village gets invaded by not Germans, played by German shepherds called the Bermans. And a bunch of kids um, escape from their village and find a tank, a giant tank, which they then man and, like, fight back to try to um, save their families who've been taken by the Bermans. So the game involves turn-based battles between their giant tank, which has three cannons, each manned by a different child. Um, and I know that sounds interesting, but it's like, oh my god, like cartoon children. <laughs> Does that um, make it better? Each with their own type of weapon. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those games where you're trying to exploit weaknesses. The battles are hard. It's not an easy game. So you're you're constantly making decisions between the risky move and the safe move. Like they're like pretty grueling battles, kind of like similar to imagine like the Disney version of Fury, that Brad Pitt movie where they are all in the, the tank. tank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and in between it, battles, the the characters bond with each other, and as they, their bonds get stronger, they get more abilities in battle. It's like the Disneyfication of like World War II or Miyazaki to World War II, right? It's kind of like it's cute. The art looks really good, but it's also about but like, war, war and children, um, child soldiers at war. It's pretty well written. The characters are all pretty endearing, and that is the key to this game. Because there is a weapon on this mega tank called the Soul Cannon, where basically it's a one hit kill and will kill anything on the screen. So if you're going against a boss that's like kind of kicking your butt, you can use that to automatically win. All you need to do is just sacrifice one of oh the kids. Oh God! Oh God! That's all. So <laughs> that's all, so Marvin. That's are you, all. Yeah. Are you saying that the soul is your own that you are firing? Yeah. The um the cannon. Is powered by life force, and so in order to, you know, if you're if your back is against the wall and like basically you can't win, you use that. You sacrifice one of your characters, oh, and then they're gone for the rest of the game. It's a permadeath system um, to to make it through. So this is horrifying. As a, are you okay, Marvin? <laughs> so as um, here's the thing. Um, so as a good video game player, I've been doing my best to like not have to use that um which makes the game like 10 times harder because you don't have like the the easy button i want to try to win without sacrificing anybody and also just because um the first time they make you do it it's it's pretty harrowing <laughs> are you like but but then you're have... deadened inside afterwards <laughs> so the next one's easier the next sacrifice is easier you're you're not doing a good job at uh recommending this to me <laughs> <laughs> You just have to give up your soul to play this game. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the designers put it there, not expecting people to use it. Right? What? Why would people not use it? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, because the whole game is designed for you to bond with the characters and like, get their backstories. And like, basically, if you do spend their life, if you do use them for the canon, they're gone. Like, you don't get to finish their stories. You don't get to interact with them anymore. They're just gone. Do you from not the game. do you not know people who play games? They don't care. <laughs> people will tell you to go. People, people will like disparage your own mother on mm-hmm. games. You don't think they're gonna sacrifice this character to win? For me, it's just really interesting design to like present this really hard choice <laughs> and like make it enticing for you if you're bad at video games. All right. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. The battle system is actually pretty addicting um, because I'm trying not to kill any of my characters. I've had to restart a couple times um, because it's it's a run based game. So it's kind of like a roguelite where each stage is a long series of encounters and battles. And so if you make a couple of bad decisions, you're kind of screwed for the rest of that run. So you might need to like turn back time and start the run over. Um, but it's um it's a lot of fun if you're someone who likes these turn-based games similar to something like Darkest Dungeon or even like the Persona games. This is something for you. Uh, the characters are <laughs> anthropomorphized um, animals, so they're like animal people. I know for some people that is a deal breaker, um, <laughs> but it's honestly it's it's not that bad. It's like just consider it like like I said like a Disney. Like Wait, a, like why is that? Type. Why is that a deal breaker? Do people not like some people on the internet are very anti-furry? Well, I mean, just because these I are think because, doesn't make them furries. Well, I think it's because they harbor some inner furry. Yeah, like, just like how Dow just like how, too much. Yeah, like how homophobic <laughs> people don't like gay people. Um, um, but I have seen that, like you know, there has been games where there's been like pushback on like the character design if they're like anthropomorphized um, animals. Um, it is a thing in the video game um, fandom. 
but yeah, no, I've been playing that. It's you know, I you know, some people I'm sure there's some people out there who just heard what I had to say and say, hmm, I want to try that game. And you should. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's what I've been playing. I'm on the sixth level so far. There's eleven total. So I keep collecting characters, you know, not gonna spend any of them in the canon, but um, we'll see. There's still um the battles are getting harder. And so I've been like racking my strategic brain to 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 win without loss of life. But then it does suck because the kids are getting more and more traumatized too. Oh no. Oh Marvin. It's essentially like any other YA story, though. They're all about kids going to like war in dystopias. So there are other YA stories different? That, that are not about war. <laughs> there are um, plenty yeah. of YA stories that yeah. are not about war. There's some about you know they just like somebody, and <laughs> those are nice too. Sometimes right, well, it, it's yeah. it's called Fuga Melodies of Steel. Um, it came out earlier this month, and you can I think it's out on Xbox, PlayStation, and also the Nintendo Switch. So. Check it out. I'm having fun. <laughs> and that is what is popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking all about the new Netflix original series, The Chair, starring Sandra O. Oh, the ground. Life gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's beautiful. And sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week, we're talking about The Chair, the new Netflix original series starring Sandra Oh as Professor Jean Kim the newly minted chair of the esteemed English department of Pembroke University, a fictional lesser Ivy in probably New England. Um, the show follows her trials and tribulations, navigating a very archaic institution as both a woman and a person of color. The show also stars Jay Duplass, um, Bob Balaban, Holland Taylor, David Morse, and with a, I guess, is it even a cameo if it's just a picture? David Duchovny. No, 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 no. no. Daniel Day Kim is the one. Yeah. Daniel Day Kim, yes. <laughs> I think it's a cameo, and it's also maybe a promise. A surprise cameo with Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> Peter um, Sung in Ann Arbor. <laughs> um, yeah. What did y'all think of The Chair? It honestly gave me a similar visceral feeling as when I was watching White Lotus, in which I'm watching a lot of annoying people be annoying. <laughs> And I don't, I'm, I'm simultaneously entertained, but also very angry. And I just think everyone in this show is kind of a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say I like this better than White Lotus, though, just because yes. they were a bit, uh, they were more upfront, especially with their lead, being a woman of color, that they addressed yes. Uh, race they did not hide it they did not talk oh colonialism and then get rid of all the people of color uh, Fair. <laughs> yes i will so give them that it was yes. in infuriating absolutely and but also, i think it's intended to be exactly it's intended yeah. to be and so therefore i i felt my anger was well earned and clean burning i like how they just peel back the layer this is a this is a show about some supposedly very very smart people but they're all just dumbasses um and i think yes. that's kind of any show like this that peels back the curtain, it, it reminded me of like, say, like if The Wire went on for like five more seasons and decided to do academia as one of its like subjects, um, this is what it would be like because it's peeling back the curtain of academia and exposing it for like the bureaucratic um, metric based institution that it is. Yes. And, and I like how it's set in a 
what I would assume to be a, you know, quote, liberal institution, unquote, in a very liberal department, right? It's a, it's New England. We, we see these as like bastions of like, yeah, like progressiveness. And no, the same problems are happening. Um, so that's always, uh, and, and I do love, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, love the, Love English professor aesthetic, love tweeds, <laughs> yes. love leather, love coats and wool coats, loved all the costuming, wanted all those, like, uh, mm-hmm. all her suits, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so, so it is, um, I, I think they del- obviously they delve into it more than some other shows because that's what the show's about. I do, I think I might have a, I wonder how you guys feel too, because as someone who essentially lives a version of this every single day as well in their professional and personal life, (laughs) is it entertaining or is it just traumatizing? Yeah. I mean, so there's different layers, right? Like we're all Asian here and we're all, you know, relatively young and we've all had to work with people older than us. So I think there's certain things where it's like, I, I relate to Sandra Oh's character, June on like two levels of being like a younger person who've had, who have had to take on leadership positions where I'm managing people older than me and also like been in those situations where I'm the only person of color, where I'm the only Asian or non-white person on that team. Um, but I don't have that third, um, the third dimension that the both of you share with her, which is being women of color in those positions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there was so much I identified with, uh, and especially the aspect where um, Sandra O oh mentions that, you know, what the hell is she? Like the reaction to her is often like, what the hell is she, this Korean woman uh, teaching English? And, um, and this is English literature, just to be clear. Someone I know back in the day who was an old man uh, thought I taught English the language when I said I was an English major. Um, so yeah, I, I, I very much have been in this situation where, um, I, look, I've worked in a few different jobs in, in journalism. Um, so I won't point out which one, but to this day, I am on a Slack with some of my former coworkers where we kind of just talk about the old people there in my former job and all the mistakes they make and, and the ridiculously bad cringe worthy mistakes they make like on Twitter. Um, and the, the racist things they say and all that type of stuff. And this is 100% how it is. Um, Also just the things that they rely on us, the younger people to do and to clean up um, their mistakes constantly. Um, And there is also the aspect of the English with me where like, I know English literature usually better than some people. I definitely know the English language better than a lot of these people. Um, spelling, grammar, all of that. So, um, and it's and it's always, you know, you have to go in in such a way, kind of like what she was doing, sort of like halfway meeting them and just, and then, or like couching things very nicely so you can get the results you want. Um, yeah, I felt it all. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, Sandra O's character <laughs> is constantly compromising not only her own like morals, her own like ambitions, but also just like in every part of her life, she is compromising. Right? Even so, I do have friends who went into academia. No one in the liberal arts. Most of my friends went into like academia and like the engineering sciences. Hmm. Um, but it's still, it's the same thing. Like we've had conversations where my friend pretty much told me because my friend is a is a female um, biochemistry PhD. And so not only is she dealing with guys in the lab who don't respect her, but also like in order to pursue this career path, which requires you to spend like your 20s and 30s working all the time on like research. Um, she's pretty much had to put off having a family for at least 10, 15 years. Yeah. And yep. we explore that with, you know, obviously in the show, her Sandra's character is divorced. She uh, had she's adopted a daughter and is now the primary caretaker of her daughter. And there's such a, you know, one of the constant struggles is finding a babysitter for or a caretaker for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And her daughter's just like, you know, going through it, like kind of acting out, which I also find really interesting mm-hmm. that they chose a trans racial mm-hmm. adoption storyline. Uh, I, I feel like that 
that's a lot to unpack like to mm-hmm. add another element of like oh let's talk about adoption and is that ethical might have been like one thread too far maybe <laughs> for a six episode 30 minute yeah episode, it's a mini series like, series yeah. that's supposed to be dr- drama com- like drama comedy um but i also think this is just the horrors of like this whole show is just about the horrors of middle management Mm-hmm. Um, and how when you're in that middle position and not truly empowered and you become the scapegoat in a lot of ways, there's there's no right way to do it, right? Like yeah. she is set up to fail from the get-go. Um, and and I think it's really interesting that they the the center is an Asian American woman, right? Because in the way we talk about racial discourse in this country, you know, Asians are both privileged and a minority and we are often used as the wedge between mm-hmm. a lot of people so you know she is the bad and her fatal flaw is that she just wants everyone to like her she wants to help everybody and you can't in that position like middle management if you've ever been in middle management you you are you can't you can't like you have to do the head honcho like the dean's bidding everyone's gonna end up hating you uh and like we see that happen through the course of her trying to be the chair well i mean she's also already predisposed because there's so much when you're the first or the only in a position of power you become the target of everyone's like attention right you're supposed to simultaneously do your job well be an exemplar of your profession but also represent every single community that you Mm -hmm. represent yeah well, it's because we're at the intersection because, you know, as a woman of color, Jiyun is at the intersection where she wants to, you know, take care of Joan, who's like the older white mm-hmm. woman who was the trailblazer, right? And then she acknowledges that she wants to take care of the black woman who's coming after her, who is this amazing new talent, you know, 32. Wow. Like, <laughs> we want to get her tenure. Um but she also, I think, has been in the pool long enough to understand that you can't get to a position of power within this predominantly white institution um, without getting on the good side of these old white men in power. Um, but at the same time, her newest students are coming up and pushing against that. Like, can you like, did you compromise too much where you're not longer when you're no longer even like true to your own values? And as like someone who works in a you know, I ask these questions to myself every single day. Like, how much do you give up to make a little progress for someone mm-hmm. else? And um, like, and that's the thing. Like, no one is inherently right or wrong. Um, and that's why you're kind of set up in a position to fail. Mm-hmm. And and especially in areas in subjects like English, you know, English is obviously a metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's it's about narratives, right? Like it's about generally just narratives and stories we tell. So if and there's no way to quantify a story, whether it's right or wrong. Everyone has their version of right or wrong. Except Bill. We can talk about Bill. Fuck him. He's just annoying. <laughs> and why the fuck is everyone protecting him? I want to talk about Bill, but first let's talk oh. about I want I want to talk about Jean. I want to talk about Sandra O's performance because she is the anchor of this show. Mm-hmm. Right. She is like pretty much carrying this show on her back um, oh she's great her physical comedy with her just like expressions and just the constant like she gets more and more stressed out the entire like she plays stressed out real well that's kind of her her thing right she uh, i mean look i think people say that because she has some really good energy in the way, like we, you mentioned her physical comedy, I think she expresses her energy very well. And that includes when she's not like acting, um, I mean, acting out. So like there's a moment where she puts on someone else's coat accidentally and they're like, is that your coat? And then she pauses and she has no facial expression and it's hilarious. And so that the energy from that performance of just standing still is so palpable. I think that when she is being anxious and and worried and all those other things you really feel it so yeah when she's happy it's just she glows all of it it's just she's just great physically and and this is without without being a sort of a bumbling sort of physical comedian like in that way you get us you still believe in her competence like you that's the thing sandra oh you totally believe that she is competent enough to have been the chair and that she's a great professor but also like you know she can kind of lose it in a controlled way in that um 
in that, you know, this is probably more similar to the Killing Eve character than it is to Christina Yang. Christina mm-hmm. Yang is like pure competence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the amazing range Sandra Oh can play, right? Like yeah. Eve is neurotic as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And, and we get a lot of that, which is like very apropos for an English professor mm-hmm. at like a, is it an Ivy League? I thought it was more like a like a liberal they arts, it was small like a, liberal arts a lesser college. Ivy, so yeah, like a, like a Wellesley or something. Yeah, right? Wellesley or like I was thinking Emerson or you know. Yeah. So, but you know, still very respectable. Also, Ivy League is you know fuck them. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I just my thing is from my experience as far as the lack of respect or or at least just begrudging halfway ex- uh, respect that you you know she receives i feel like she needs to just leverage it and keep on moving on and if uh if they want to meet you know like she if she finds a different position elsewhere her current place can always meet the salary or whatever expectations yeah. um and honestly i've had to do that like in order to get the pay that i felt i was due i kept moving and moving and moving on um or, or the conditions that i felt like i was due so I uh, that's why I mean we'll get to this at some point but I that's why I really want to see a second season yeah <laughs> yeah also the scenes of Jiyun outside of work where her her home life is just as turbulent as her professional <sighs> life right with with oh her daughter God. acting out with like I want to talk about specifically episode five where then they go to um I mean she's not physically in that episode but when the grandfather brings the daughter to the dole, right? To yeah. the Korean birthday party. And just the auntie shade in that scene is just... It's so true, though. Exquisite. It's, 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 it is exquisite. I like that word. Uh, the the auntie's basically talking. First of all, Bill s- s- ends up there, too. Somehow, doesn't matter. Um, I love how they just are talking about Ji Yoon's ex, who is Peter, who is Daniel Day Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk about like why did she you know like adopt this girl who's not even Korean <laughs> and then give her a Korean name and then give her a Korean name they're just like everything you are possibly thinking that you don't voice they do which is fantastic I um, did like the fact that they didn't explicitly say that she was adopted till like maybe episode two or three right right, right. Um, because that was a question my partner and I had was like the, the kid obviously doesn't look Asian, so yeah. what's up with that? But yeah. um, I like that they held on to the information till later. Yeah, because... Um, and you it know, makes sense with the profession, like, why she had to do that and why yes. she couldn't adopt a someone from South Korea because of... Um, if people don't know, after the, I guess, after being known for exporting babies in, like, the 80s, the government of South Korea kind of clamped down on that. Yeah. Right? Uh, yes. Um, I do. I do also like... Sorry... The aunties, when they're talking about Peter, they're like, no, that's not Peter. Peter's in Michigan. And it's like, I'm making this sweater for him. And it's like one of them is actually making the sweater for, for this absent yes. guy. I was yes. like, holy crap. Oh, my God. Um, As like a woman that like, I don't even want kids of my own. But like that just freaking enrages me so much. And I, I do love the fact that this show you know, by virtue of, of having a main character who is a woman, we can like talk about this shit, right? About how everything is set up against you as a single, as a woman, as a professional woman, as a professional woman who also wants to have a family, right? The the entire system is built on the expectation that you have someone looking after your kids at home for free. She's not even asking for like a free caretaker. She just wants someone to take care. She's willing to pay. Um, And and the fact that, you know, she was not going to be a following spouse, like a trailing spouse or like she was even down to do that, but they wouldn't offer her. They were there was a disrespect that they wouldn't even offer her what she was worth. And she's like, absolutely not. Right. And that's just so like I felt that to my core, like the rage as a woman, as a professional woman. What a University of Michigan move! Bad. <laughs> <in Michigan. laughs> uh, yeah. That, that, the 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 child uh aspect was fascinating because I loved how that they showed how difficult it was to find um a babysitter, one who even wants to deal with your child who opens the door when you're using the bathroom, um. But also, even I, I gave him credit for the grandfather not wanting to take care of this kid. You know, it's like she doesn't even understand Korean. That's what you know. That that's what he keeps saying. He's like, "How am I supposed to control her? I have other things to do." You know, he has a life. 
Um, grandpa was sweet, but Grandpa was also kind of a dick too. Oh, uh, but he was real. That's uh, like <laughs> yes, that's like what my mom says when like yeah. my sister's like, "I'm gonna throw you my kids." My mom's like, "Hell no, I raised the kids already. I'm going to go have fun." Right, right, right. They have a life, and then you know they, they'll like be there for like a birthday or something. But you know they don't yeah. want to have to be the babysitter. Also, they're old. They can't keep up with them, and you probably don't want them to like. What if they b- fall down? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, going so, back, but going back to the doll. Yeah, so so that episode was written by Jennifer Kim, who um, is a staff writer on the on the series. Um, I'm actually not familiar with how their writing room looks, but um, I it's did. It's not pre- that Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jennifer is the only Asian writer with a credit in this season. Granted, it's only six episodes, but I don't think any of the directors are Asian. I don't think any of the other producers besides Sandra Oh is Asian. That's also really interesting. I mean, I guess I appreciate that they gave her the opportunity to put a dull storyline into the show. Yeah, I mean... mean, One out of six is pretty... It's not bad, I guess. Um, Yeah. I mean, the show isn't... It doesn't center so much on the explicit, like, Asian-ness. It's more about, like, how others perceive that in this predominantly white yeah i mean environment i I guess but i also just appreciated that many many of these uh scenes were subtitled um and that like her at home that wasn't how others perceived it um and also i felt like at the doll that was not really the perception i feel like that was kind of real um yeah in lesser hands it would have been like a sea of caricatures right Right. this one they have believable aunties they have they present, you know, the ceremony the, uh, of like picking your your destiny. I mean, for those who don't know it, it is. Uh, I think is is it a one year for them or is it one year? Okay, so yeah, when you're one year years old, then you get it usually something, lots of stuff laid out, and whatever you pick is your destiny, such as money or a stethoscope or all those types of things. Um, I just like to talk about it just because I've never seen it on TV, and this is something I did. I don't know why. In Vietnamese culture, uh, I I just love how much that Asian cultures look so much into you know like like fortune telling and destiny, but then they clearly also like try to like uh, stack the deck. So yeah, <laughs> um, I had a particularly odd experience because I shared mine with my brother because I'm a twin, and so he bare- apparently stole the thing that I grabbed. <gasps> <laughs> and so I had to get a second, um, a second option. But anyway, so that's the only reason why I want to share. That. Yeah, but. I feel like I feel like that scene hits. It obviously it's it's written by a Korean American, but also the nuance of like this is something that all Asian Americans, most Asian Americans, I don't say, I don't say all, like the false choice of like you can be anything you want as long as it's a doctor, lawyer, or <laughs> or, or engineer, right? You can right. choose anything you want as long as it's the money. Yeah. Right. As long as you become rich, you can be whatever you want. I thought it was interesting that they let, put a paintbrush there. And I was like, really? That's an option? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but you're not supposed to choose it, huh? Right. Obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if she had chosen the paintbrush, the auntie shade would have been unbearable. <laughs> well, I've seen like actual like home videos of dolls and stuff where like like the baby's going to the paintbrush or like whatever the artistic thing is supposed uh-huh. to be. And they literally just move the baby to go <laughs> yes. to like the money stack or they'll like take it out of their hands and give them the stethoscope. Like they do not yeah. care. And I, I did enjoy that the fact that they had Bill at this doll and he's like horrified at the the rigging of of the decision and he like totally rejects it i, I think it's such a i mean outsider it's an definitely- allegory of like western and eastern thinking right um but yeah i do want to talk about bill because he is ostensibly like the second Ooh, protagonist Lee? is he a protagonist of this he's I the mean, worst the show loves bill apparently because why <laughs> why that's the thing that does i mean i mean like the thing is like Maybe it's the purpose of the show. Like, I, I, if it's the purpose of the show, I don't know if they're clear enough. Like, we are told that Bill is great from everyone within the context of the show, but he himself is terrible. Everything we've seen is mm-hmm. terrible, right? But, like, people fawn over him. Like, Sandra Oh is, like, so charmed by it. Like, everyone, except for, like, you know... Korean daddy's always going to be honest. Like, who's this crumply man? Yes, yes. <laughs> this crumply man. Um, nothing, I think nothing he does is... Nope. is justifiable or like um 
empathetic like i do not like you did a fucking nazi salute in a class like that's stuff your whole you you made your own bed and you dragged everyone into your hot fucking mess but he refuses to take responsibility which is such a that is that is it it's like if you did it own up to it and apologize because you understand the the issue with it but no he wouldn't and he made fucking jokes about it um right uh that upset me i think the only thing that you were supposed to feel sympathetic to but i also think is also like whatever um one of my writers talked about his magical babysitting skills and i was like yes you're supposed to find him so charming for that, well, and I'm like, he's Fuck a man that. child. Right? Yeah, I was like, it's yeah, obviously, he's a man. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a man ch- I just not worth I it. Just, and here's the thing, like, all the disrespect to the Duplass. I'm sorry, but like, you couldn't even find a hot dude. Again, I think if we just start casting actually attractive men, like at least I could understand where like the digmatize comes from. Like, if he's if he <laughs> looks like. Um, Guy Albert now Garcia or some shit, oh. and he's like a Debbie. I was like, I I kind of get it. I understand. Yeah. Like you just you mesmerize, but like you try to tell me that she's hung up on fucking is it Jay or Mark Duplass? Jay, he's the better Duplass. I don't want to yuck anyone's not. yum, but right. I mean, people, no, it's the most, are people he's into a, he's, him? No, I think he's was deliberately cast because he looks like a mediocre white man, not ugly, but not <laughs> extremely yeah. handsome. He and just crumply, yeah, crumply white man. He's perfectly okay, but also in comparison to Daniel Day Kim, like holy crap, like chiseled god. <laughs> it's like chiseled god. Come on, like yeah. let's not pretend that Daniel Day Kim we do, like we don't know it. Peter Sung from who's in Ann Arbor looks like right. Yeah, I uh, honestly I do believe that we are supposed to be angry with him and that everyone fawning over him is supposed to be deliberate because that's how it is in life, which sucks still, and that's why it's infuriating. But um, I also just think that like she does eventually wake up to it and she rails into him, and I'm just like, finally, finally, you are seeing things. But yeah, and then he plays on her sympathies too, and I just want to like beat him whenever he's, <laughs> he does that. He, I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand what work she's doing to cover your ass. Yeah, I feel like he is the most like they're in a show full of frustrating characters, right? Because you have like entitled old white men, um, like incarnate in the show. He is probably the most frustrating because because I'm just not sure what the show wants me to feel about him, but I know how I feel about him, which is like he sucks. Yeah. Like, just get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fine if season two comes around and he's not around. Like you can you can trade him in for someone else. He sucks so bad. Like <laughs> so yeah. I uh, like I think he's still the preferable Duplass brother or Dupli. Um, but uh he's still definitely made to be a crumpled, messy person here. And uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean there weren't really any I mean Okay, there's there is a cameo with uh, one David Duchovny, but is he considered hot still? No, I I I feel like they're they definitely let him be a joke, um, <laughs> uh, and physically he's definitely not holding up. Um, I, there are some people who will always love him, I guess. Um, yeah, I do love that they cast all these like character actors who made a career playing old crusty dudes their entire career but not get to play extra crusty dude because they themselves are old now there's a lot of that guys in this show or that that guy gender inclusive right like um the 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 professor rents the bald one i'm like yeah. i've seen you in a lot of things <laughs> uh, you know of course we have holland taylor who it i mean she also makes out of this great right she kind of gets what she wants um she gets the office and the, the the she gets to be the new chair like and, and she is protected probably more by her whiteness and she says some pretty terrible things throughout the show <laughs> uh which is also an interesting dynamic to see like how you know white woman versus uh woman of color um and just the yeah the the three crusties though i call them when they're all <laughs> together it's like a little bit much like i it's very boomer energy yeah i mean they definitely played as like stooges right three, three stooges energy but so one of the criticism I, i've seen about this show is the fact that like it doesn't offer any like path forward it's kind of just showcasing the shittiness of the institution of academia to people of color and especially p- women of color I mean, to me, I think that's kind of the point of the. Yeah, I I think that's 
it's it's a double-edged sword. I, I think that, hey, great job. You're pointing out the thing and therefore it's funny. Um, I think it's kind of falls on the same note as White Lotus in that things revert to the status quo, meaning that the people you're rooting for are still left behind. And so either you think that, hey, that's really good. Good job. Like sort of showing, you know, telling it like it is, but also giving us a few laughs along the way. Or is the responsibility of entertainment um, to actually say something else like here's how we can fix it or here's justice in in the sort of like revenge fantasy vein. So I guess it depends on what you want out of show. I was perfectly fine with this ending. However, I really do believe that to give true justice to the topic, uh, I would like a second season. So what are you, what do you, what do you guys think um, as far as like do you think it was fine the way it ended? I feel like as a show the thesis of like the world isn't ready for you yet is a little depressing but then if I look at the show as here is a situational workplace dramedy as a setting for these characters specifically Sandra Oh to go play in I think it, it was a successful show and I think you know, there were parts that are frustrating, but I had a lot of fun watching it. Mm-hmm. I think if we're, you know, let's bring it back to English, because just you as a theater major, which is very adjacent. <laughs> and the way that we classify traditionally in like Shakespeare plays, whether something's a drama or a comedy is the ending. So comedies, everyone gets married. <laughs> drama, everyone dies. And the person with the highest rank still alive gets to say the soliloquy about what the whole point of this was, right? They get the moral of the tale. So being that this is a drama comedy, I think that the ending would have answered the question of whether it was more drama or more comedy. And I think they were kind of bland in the artistic choices they made for that ending because really everything does just go back to exactly what it was in the beginning she's back to being a professor all the stooges are still there right the work like mark um i'm sorry duply brother got his got fired but like he doesn't seem that bummed out like like the consequences don't really seem to matter so in a way, it is seems somewhat true to life, and that could be seen as something depressing, which would, for my eyes, would make it a little more dramatic. But the tone of everything is just like, yeah, that's fine. This is great, <laughs> which makes it more comedic. And I think I don't know. I feel like that's just like a not that brave of an artistic choice. I think they should have leaned in one way or the other a little bit more. Yeah, I I I do agree that. With everything going back to normal, like, well, status quo, status quo, that was fine. But I think their reconciliation on the park bench where she's like joking with him and all that, like, I was like, no, 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 no. And and that was like the part where I was like, I need more and I need her not to joke with him um, about the stuff and, you know, don't offer to pay him to be the babysitter unless, you know. I mean, I just... just there, should this some... man even be teaching? Like, no, this man no, should not be teaching not the be. next generation. Like, they're if anyone, they're going to rip <laughs> him apart, right? So, um, yeah. And I, I think that is the... It's... And from a story, like, just story perspective, if everything just went back to normal, which is really what happens in comedies, like sitcoms, mm-hmm. right? It's like a reset... But it's like, what was the whole point of this? Why yeah. did I just spend three hours, six episodes watching this whole story to just start back at the very beginning? Yeah. yeah. They they needed to have left it in a way that we felt like something was going to change once, if the show went on. But right now yeah. it doesn't look like it. So. I feel like they had the pieces too, right? Because they have like, you know, as 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 white as the principal cast is that, isn't Sandra Oh. They had a lot of supporting characters of color, right? You have Yasmin, the up-and-coming professor, who would have been the first black tenure professor at this fake university. And you have Mallory Lowe, who is the torture TA of yes. Bill, right? The one responsible for, like, picking up his mess of a... Covering his ass, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I don't know, like, it might have been cheesy to have them all band together and like no, no. If this were a, <laughs> if they had made a choice, right? If Sandra, like, just coming from like a structural, like you know, like a little creative 
notes place structurally if they had made a stronger choice there were two choices for sandra o's character she would have chosen to defy the structure and then you know and kind of whatever way that means like proceed to commit to change it or she would have committed to the powers that be and taken the you know the dean and the institution side and committed to basically becoming the villain right and becoming the things she didn't want to be like that would have been the The strong two artistic choices yes for this (laughs) character instead she's just like i love being a teacher i don't like being a chair it's just like okay like yeah i I, honestly thought she was gonna end up firing those three just like screw it you guys are gone yeah i'm done covering for i i also would have been very fine if she left the institution uh, realizing that she couldn't make a change and uh, doing something else. I don't know. Just... I don't know if that would have, because that would have been like basically 20 years of her life. No, I I agree. But that uh, I, look, I'm not saying that that would have stopped her career, but like I would have loved it if we we're talking about like magical TV things happening, like if she had <laughs> been um, poached from another uh, university. Mm. Um, I, I kind of wanted to see certain bridges burned. Or or a very like devil wears Prada and or like, you know, like if it, it was like her or Yaz and she took Yaz's spot and went to Yale yes. instead. Right? Yes, yes, like yes, that's yes. a strong dis- like that's a strong artistic choice for this character. Like not just like everything's back to how it was in the beginning. Yay. Like that's a weird choice because <laughs> yeah. overall. Yeah. With something like that, that definitely would also then been the the discussion about only so many spots for women and women of color yeah. and and then the competition that is like arises from that yeah and then is she complicit in white supremacy yeah. by basically taking the spot from this very talented tenured you know or to <laughs> not yet to be tenured you know black professor yeah. right like yeah see that would have brought discussion more interesting they mm-hmm. they chose a very lukewarm oatmeal no seasoning kind of ending <laughs> They whiffed maybe it. maybe they're expecting a second season. You never know. It, 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 the ending was a white person's kanji. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, final verdict is the chair good pop. I very much think it is. Um, even though I think we can agree they whiffed the ending or didn't make bold enough choices. I love the discussion that we've had about it. I think it it was actually super entertaining. I think all the Asian stuff was great. Sandra uh, Oh is, of course, wonderful. Um, and I just love seeing her as another leading lady uh, doing the things she does, which is just be awesome. Yeah, I think it brings to light a lot of issues about being... A woman, a woman of color in a predominantly white institution, uh, in in places about how infrastructures of power and systems of power keep marginalized people down. It's it's rarely the individual, right? It's a system that works, and we obviously all play a certain part. And how there's not even necessarily right or wrong, um, and how many compromises, things things that I think are very in that gray area that we don't get to. I think we three of us think about this a lot but i think for a general person a a white audience who like does not have this exposure it's netflix it's the biggest platform i'm hoping that's bringing like that experience to the forefront i'm sure there's a lot of people who are like oh that's so messed up like yeah that's what we deal with every freaking day (laughs) every day us (laughs) it's not new to us it's not new to any woman of color who works but you know for some people it's new so I think that's good pop culture. Um, yeah, I think I also think it's good pop. I had a lot of fun watching it. Anything with Sandra O oh is going to be good. The things that it brings up, you know, even though the ending is not as as bold as we we would like it to be, I think the ride was a lot of fun. I enjoyed. I don't know, just any show that just decides to, you know, we're gonna just let Sandra O oh do her thing and just like take this to the finish line. I, I I approve anyone who has the foresight to cast her in in these shows where, I mean, it didn't have to be her, but because it was her, it made it so much better. Yeah, I've also heard from friends in academia that this is like an incredibly traumatizing <laughs> show that they can't watch it because it just gives them like twitches about like oh god. I mean. I mean, I think it's triggering for anybody who's ever, like I mentioned, who's ever worked in the position where you're the only one of something Mm -hmm. in the team, right? And especially if you're working with people older than you. Yeah. Have they mentioned, is is there going to be a season two? No, um, I think it's been doing well, though. So they're very strategic about when they 
uh, decide to announce. And partly it has to do with being able to get the uh, contracts together for the actors they want. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they, they let the threads open. Yeah. We're probably going to see Bill again, look, for better or worse. They're, <laughs> here, here's the funny thing about Netflix. They are very quick to cancel something when it's not working for them. This is a show that is probably not that expensive to produce, but all the contracts of these people, like especially if they end up getting more people with big names, like David Coveney or whoever, uh, could make take longer, but... It's also no news is good news when it comes to Netflix. Uh, Julie and the Phantoms, Julie and the Phantoms is a show that my friends and I adore, and they have not announced that it's either been canceled or renewed yet, and it's been over a year. But we just think that maybe it's because it takes a lot to produce, um, and there's <laughs> songs to write and stuff like that. So maybe it's just taking longer because they were also hoping to do a tour with it. So uh, yeah, they haven't said anything, and so fingers crossed that that's still alive somewhere. Yeah. Netflix, the Schrodinger's cat of streaming services. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And with that, um, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club and our discussion of The Chair, the new Sandra O oh original series on Netflix. Um, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just Jute Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue, and you can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are, as always, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. Peace.